Good afternoon and welcome to the Embedded Computing Design Embedded Insiders. This is Rich Ness, Executive Vice President with Open Systems Media, leader of the Embedded and IoT franchises, and I'm here with my partner in crime, Brandon Lewis, Technology Editor. Hello, Brandon. Hey, how you doing, Rich? I am doing just fine. I happen to be in sunny Phoenix this week, actually in Fountain Hills where our office is, and boy, when I say sunny, it is hot here. <laughs> welcome to the desert. <laughs> and uh, we have a special guest with us this week who uh, probably wouldn't know a desert if he saw one. Uh, Rick O'Connor, who is the executive director of the Risk Five Foundation. He's based in Ottawa. Hello, Rick. Welcome to uh, Embedded Insiders. Hey, Rick. Hey, Brandon. Uh, thanks for having me today. Oh, our pleasure. Our pleasure. Okay, so um, obviously we, we want to talk about Risk Five um, because of some news that's come to light recently. But before we get into that news, um, just want to set the stage for everybody, make sure that we all have a, have a good understanding of what Risk Five is exactly. So, um, Brandon, would you do the uh, the intro on what exactly is this Risk Five thing that we've been talking about? Certainly. Uh, RISC-V is an open uh, instruction set ar architecture, and RISC, uh, for those of you who know, uh, was intended originally as a reduced instruction set alternative uh, to what had happened in the x86 realm, where instruction sets just ballooned to thousands of instructions. Um, one the most notable risk architecture out there today is obviously ARM. Okay, hang on, hang on. I'm cutting you off right here. Okay, we're not going to get into the... CISC versus RISC because you're probably not old enough to know this, but the RISC set is actually significantly larger than the original CISC instruction set. Well, that's what I was getting to. Uh, the RISC instruction set is now ballooned to be uh, very large. Um, so RISC-V is an instruction set that has been created uh, to get back to basics, right? Get back to the roots, minimize the number of instructions. Uh, it's open source. People can build their own hardware out of it. Um, it started out of Cal Berkeley uh, for academics, education, researchers, and now is being adopted by industry for everything uh, from small microcontroller-based systems up into platforms that can serve the data center. So 50,000 foot view. Okay, so yes or no? Is Risk Five the arm killer? I never bet against open source. Yes or no? <laughs> is Risk Five the arm killer? I never bet against uh, open source. You're, you're not going to get me to, to comment. Maybe Rick has some ideas. <laughs> on that. Okay. Now, um, Risk Five was pretty much under the radar, at least from my perspective, for a while. And I was actually pretty surprised to learn that the Risk Five Foundation has been around for better than two years. Rick, um, you've been involved with that foundation from day one. What's some of the progress you've seen and what's the current state of the art? Yeah, so uh, not not quite two years, right? We, we incorporated in August of 2015, so we're just about two years old as a foundation uh, coming up here this summer. But the, you know, the tech, the, the research has been around, so, you know, five, the Roman, the V, Roman numeral five, is like the fifth generation of research out of the you know, computer science group at Berkeley, right? So those of us that are still young enough but old enough to have, you know, our first uh, um, Patterson and Hennessy uh, computer architecture and design books, right? The original risk work was by Dave Patterson at UC Berkeley back in the early 80s. And so this is the this is the fifth generation of that research, and, and Dave was involved in, in it as well with you know some of the other researchers, Kirsta Stanovich and and a bunch of the PhD students that worked on this. And you know they they started working on 
for the, for the reasons Brandon just mentioned, they started working on, you know, a, a new ISA that they could use primarily in a pedagogical sense, uh, you know, back in, in 2010, uh, and, and just kept publishing all the things that they were doing, uh, you know, taking advantage of several decades of risk-based, uh, you know, learnings over the years, uh, beyond ARM, there's, there's MIPS, there's Spark, there's a bunch of risk platforms that have been out there. So a lot of, a lot of uh, both uh, industry and academic learnings on how to how to architect risk machines, uh, and applied that to this fifth generation of work. And as they kept publishing what they were doing, there was more and more uptake, both in academia land and in industry. People were interested in what they were doing, and you know they, they basically resulted in publishing the first uh, you know, frozen uh, user spec, the base user spec back in May of 2014. And, and it became obvious at that time that, you know, this needed to be a project that would exist beyond the four walls of Berkeley. Um, and uh, there, was, there was enough interest, like I said, both in academia and in industry that, um, you know, something outside of Berkeley kind of needed to, to, to take ownership of it and, and move it forward. And it was probably around the summer of 2014 where the discussion started around, okay, you know, we probably need to create a standards body in some way. Um, the, the Berkeley guys ran the first risk five workshop, uh, back in January of 2015. Um, that was down in Monterey and that's where some of the discussions originally started. So let's fast forward to where we are today. Um, I, I believe there's been a couple of hardware announcements. Can you enlighten us on those? Sure. I mean, there's there's a number of companies who have both hard product and soft core product. Uh, you know, we've you know, it's it's amazing actually. I mean, you know, Rich, you and I have known each other for a long time, and I've been involved in uh, you know literally dozens of different standards bodies, either as a you know an engineering participant or you know part of the management team and governance team. And I have never seen anything go this fast. Uh, in terms of, you know, interest and adoption and, and, and just, uh, it, it really is the shiny new toy in industry. So we have over six, 60 member companies now. Uh, we're going to be announcing those, you know, those new members at our, what will be our seventh workshop coming up next week in Shanghai. Um, the, the Sci Five team, which is a, a startup in the Bay Area that um, is primarily based on, uh, you know, the founders are primarily the, the PhD team that, that did the work with Kirsten and Dave. Uh, they've got a couple of parts out um, and, uh, and and hard silicon uh, microcontroller-based devices. Um, you can you can literally get a little already wheel board and start playing with, a, you know, a standalone RISC-5 device. There's probably, by my count, more than more than a dozen different soft cores that you can get for various incarnations and FPGAs. Uh, the Micro Semi team has got actually an interesting uh, platform, new core fire FPGA platform that they released that has a soft core, this five device for it, the uh, full liquid space tool chain. I, I, could, I could probably fill half an hour of audio with uh, all the things that have happened. You see, you see, Rich, the power of open source moving so fast, and that's where I'm going to leave it. But, but, Rick, you know, one of the things that's been uh, in the media lately are some findings that came out of Princeton University around the memory um, model and architecture of RISC-V, where, where there, were, there were errors that had to do with memory management. 
apparently a hundred of them, maybe a little bit more than a hundred. Uh, are those for real? Are they that, that big of a deal? I mean, with people already having silicon shipping, um, is this going to be a big issue? Yeah, so a cu- couple of things. Uh, it's kind of interesting, actually. Um, so the original report that the Princeton guys, so we've, we've known Margaret and her team for a few years now. In fact, many of the researchers have known that team for, for many years, but specifically within the RISC-V community, they've been involved for a few years now um, and, and have been working closely with Kirsta and, you know, uh, some of the other research uh, groups, as well as, uh, the different task groups that we have in the technical committee. So if, if you read the original publication from the, by the Princeton team, you get a, you get sort of a better view of, of what was really going on. If you read some of the, uh, well, sensationalism, if you will, kind of articles, it's catchy to say, oh, 100 errors. Uh, it's really kind of one or two errors that gets repeated over and over again. Um, and, and fundamentally, the cores that exist today so these are from uh, um, you know, multi-core devices, multi-threaded devices that have complex memory consistency models associated with them. And nobody's building anything like that right now. Uh, you know, most of the stuff that's out there are rather more, if you will, simple, not necessarily MMU-based, uh, you know, fully embedded kind of uh, IoT-like uh, devices. Uh, so nothing that's out there today has any of these issues. And this is, this is, in fact, the beauty of open source. Because this is open and published for the world to see, we get to have the benefit of experts from academia and industry looking at everything and trying to find, you know, all of these, any, any issues that may exist in what's been specified ahead of when anybody has silicon, as opposed to trying to scramble and, you know, patch over things that might exist in proprietary architectures. But we just you know, memory consistency. Sorry, sorry, pardon me? We just decided that there's already hardware out there, so you're already behind the eight ball. No, the hardware that's out there doesn't have the complexity of, you know, multi-core, multi-threaded device. You know, the, the stuff that's out there is, you know, deeply embedded, you know, uh, embedded controller kind of devices, right? Mm-hmm. So, in, in, these, in this context, uh, really the, you know, value and the, nexus behind open source where it's really a community driven uh, endeavor is going to be raised because people have a stake now because it's silicon that will potentially be out there in the future just fortunately at this point because there's no silicon that's that advanced right now based on uh, the risk 5 ISA uh, no harm no foul yeah, yeah I mean uh, yeah for, no uh, it, for sure I mean it's if you, if you spend time looking at the way the ISA is structured, uh, it's an extensible ISA with built-in extensions, right? So you use the parts of the ISA that are defined that you need to have in your device. So if you've got a deeply embedded IoT device, you don't need all of the instructions, let alone all of the resources that are required for a multi-core, multi-threaded, high-end, you know, server-class machine. If you look at where we are with the privilege spec, right, where there's been work going on in the privilege spec, for, for quite a while. That, that's not locked and loaded yet. You know, some people have ideas that it's more advanced than others, but that's okay. The whole point of, of developing something in the open. So, you know, there's really not anybody, I mean, people, some of the guys who are, you know, way on the front end and pushing stuff are looking to commit, you know, as soon as they possibly can. But the, 
the bulk of the implementations today are, are like I said, around deeply embedded machines, and, and none of those have any of these you know, challenges that we're talking about. Uh, the reality of it is, is, if you put any other proprietary ISA through its paces, there are holes in it. Hey, I'm going to give you the same question I, I just gave Brandon. I want a one-word answer. Is this the arm killer? I don't believe in uh, talking about things in that context. Because it's not about whether this is ARM or F86 or MIPS for that matter or Spark or any other architecture you want to throw at it. What, what this is about is open standards development versus proprietary standards development. And the, the whole memory consistency model that we just walked through um, and the uncovering of those kinds of challenges, I mean, it's not for the faint of heart. Memory consistency models, you know, are not something that you can cut and cut and paste into a 140 text, uh, you know, tweet on Twitter and say, ooh, 100 errors, look at that. I mean, this is some complex stuff, right? And even the most expert, uh, you know, processor architects, you know, need, need to spend some serious uh, head downtime to wrap their head around uh, these challenges. But the point is, because RISC-V is an open ISA, we get to harvest experts across, like I said earlier, academia and industry and make sure that what we've got here is something that everybody can truly benefit from. One thing that I didn't mention at the top is that the promise of RISC-V is that the uh, ISA is going to be locked down forever, permanently, uh, once it's complete. So how far are we from getting to that uh, final lockdown version of RISC-V? So, as I said earlier, it's an extensible ISA that is modular or built, if you will, around extensions, right? So the base user spec is frozen, uh, and that has not changed and will not change. Um, so, so for folks who are building these embedded, you know, deeply embedded devices right now around that base user spec, that's locked and loaded, that's in cement, anchored, would use whatever analogy you want to use. As we add additional extensions, that's when new functionality gets added and, you know, the privilege spec is one of them as we lock down the memory model and so on. And, and any future upgrades, uh, you know, to the spec or to the, to the ISA will be done through adding these extensions. Right, so once once the once an extension like the base user spec is frozen, that's it. It's frozen. So the, I guess the short answer is it's already begun, and it will continue as we add more extensions. Very good. I think we're going to wrap up this week's edition of Embedded Insiders. That was Rick O'Connor, our special guest. He is the executive director of the Risk Five Foundation. The very deep voice was that of Brandon Lewis, technology editor for Embedded Computing Design, and I'm Rich Nass. Hope you all have a great day.